Hey everyone, it's Jeff, and you know, I, I think more than any other survival topic out there, the zombie apocalypse has to be the one that's had the biggest impact on the rise of the prepper culture. I mean, for better or for worse, the, the fantasy of the undead walking the planet, trying to munch on your face, has spurred a real thriving market for all things survival. But don't be too quick to dismiss the entire zombie craze as pure fantasy, because you might miss out on the lessons that can be learned from the scenarios depicted in growing wave of books and television shows and movies that are out there. You'll see what I mean when you tune into this week's Modern Combat Zero podcast, where I interviewed my favorite zombie expert, Jake Sepulveda, who does a great job of connecting the fantasy with the practical when it comes to survival lessons that you can really use, no matter what the threat. So go ahead and check this out now. Bullets were flying, your adrenaline surging. Would you hit your target? If the world as you know it crumbled tomorrow, collapsed into chaos, you know how to survive. If you and those you loved were cornered by a gang, violently attacked, could you protect them? Could you protect them? Could you protect them? Firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. You'd have to be living under a rock to not notice the viral explosion of interest and awareness about the coming zombie apocalypse. Flesh-eating, walking corpses roaming the wasteland in search for a brain buffet have infiltrated not just movies and hit television shows, but everything from action figures to neon green-handled firearms designed by large gun manufacturers, all set to prepare us for the end of the world as we know it. So let's see. A new existence comprised of fortifying your home defense measures, foraging for food and water, and stocking up on guns, ammo, and other survival weapons in order to protect yourself and your loved ones from extinction. Hmm. Does that sound familiar to anybody out there? Look, whether you believe in the walking undead or not, there's certainly something to be learned from the tactics, research, and development of the underground society of zombie defense special ops units that are growing from this perceived threat. Practical is what we're looking for, and I have just the person to help us bridge this gap. Hello, everyone. This is Jeff Anderson from Modern Combat and Survival Magazine with another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and patriot. And with us today is zombie expert and founder of Zombie Special Ops Unit, Jake Sepulveda. Jake, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for having me, Jeff. Great to have you on here. This is a great topic that uh, we, we get a lot of inf- uh, a lot of inquiries about. So this is going to be a we're going to get some really good tips out of this one. Now, listen, everybody, with over 19 years' experience in the field of zombies and a penchant for being ultra resourceful, the majority of Jake's time is spent researching and developing methods for survival, zombie or otherwise. Now, through his writings and programs, his goal is to bring you the most practical, cutting edge survival techniques that will work under any conditions from short-term outbreak to apocalyptic shutdown of life as we know it. Bottom line, when, when and if there is a zombie outbreak, Jake is the one person you'd want by your side. You can learn more about Jake's mission and training at his website at www.zombies.com, and that's Z-O-M-B-E-A-S-E. Now, Jake, you've obviously taken the topic of zombies serious enough to build a great website that focuses on practical survival tips. So for the zombie skeptic, what evidence is there, if any, that we could someday need to be prepared to defend against, defend against flesh-eating corpses? 
And why would the average Joe and Jane even take this seriously? Well, the big thing is that there's a lot of myth behind zombies. And a lot of people automatically think undead, but that's not the reality. If you look at virology and the way that viruses are, are jumping up so fast right now, and the way that they're evolving so quickly, that's really the thing to be scared of. So it's not so much the undead coming after you as someone with undead zombie-like symptoms. That's what you really have to take seriously. Turn on the television, read a newspaper, and you're going to see it everywhere already. Well, what's the, um, I know on your website you talk about the different types of zombies. You have five different, could you, could you run through those real quick? What are the five different types of zombies that we should even be thinking about? Uh, the five basic types of zombie um, kind of cover everything that you see in regular film. So you've got um, chemical zombies, um, which are just basically chemical-based things. We include radiation with that as well. So that's going to be either a dead or uh, animated body that comes back purely chemical-based from some sort of experimental thing, often uh, rumored to be government experiments. There's um, the parasitic zombie, which would be something like... Um, there's a uh, mushroom of a fungus called cordyceps, and that is a fungus that actually takes over the active uh, parts of the brain in different animals across the world already and tells it to do something that it doesn't want to do and takes over as a host body. Then there's uh, the Haitian voodoo zombie, which is actually the true and original zombie that are still being created today, and these are people that aren't dead, but that have been made to appear dead, been buried alive, and traumatized so greatly that they come back basically as these very zombie-like creatures. After that, you've got type 1 viral and type 2 viral zombies. One of them is a classic sort of George Romero type zombie where it's dead. The other is not. The other is something uh, closer to what you would see in real life, uh, like you did with 28 Days Later, where it's a viral-based zombie and they're out for the destruction of other human beings, and there's basically no controlling the threat. Well, and I think for for people that are looking for any sort of historical glimpse into reality, you know, we, there, not too long ago there was uh, the the issue of the the naked cheek eating uh, drugged out guy. I think it was in Los Angeles that the police had yeah. to shoot, um, who was feasting on a person right there in public. And again, was he did he, did he climb out of the grave? No. But there are certainly elements out there, whether they're drug-induced or, or parasitic or viral or whatever, that people can exhibit these types of, of qualities that you should be on the search for. So, so definitely there's, there's some, recent, um, some recent warnings there that there might be something else out there. Now, Jake, zombies have teeth. <laughs> and for the zombie defender who doesn't wish to bite back, what would you advise our listeners as your top three weapons for dealing with the undead and even the, the leftover survivors who may need to you may need to defend against if there were any sort of outbreak or anything? What are your personal choices and what makes each one of them effective? My first choice is always um, your own brain. And so knowledge is seriously the greatest weapon you can possibly have. So before anything happens, um, you know, learning as much as you can about the potential disasters and the potential side effects of those disasters is key to keeping alive and defending yourself against whether, you know, it's undead or, like you're saying, other survivors. Um, so knowledge is key. So really, really looking deep into things um, is really important. Um, secondly, I would say a really good melee weapon um, and something that's multi-purpose. I carry around the trucker's friend in my bug out bag, and it's it's one of the best tools I've ever ever got my hands on. It's a hatchet, a hammer, a crowbar, 
a chain puller. It's uh, uh, insulated from electricity. It's this, it's this amazing tool. Um, but whatever you have for melee weapons or otherwise, you need to practice with. That's also really important. And then finally, um, I'm now, the, 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 me, the melee weapon that you're talking about is that something purchased or is that something that you you um, built yourself? Uh, the trucker's friend is actually purchasable. I think the only place you can really find them, I believe, is on Amazon, um, and I think they run about fifty dollars. But I've got a review um, over at Zombies.com if, okay. if anyone's interested, so they can check it out. Okay. Um, and then the third weapon, something that I, I like the idea of, and I think would make sense as far as um, carry weight and uh, a skill and all of that, is a single action, uh, a bolt action rifle. Something really basic, so it's hard to break down on parts. Um, it's easy to clean. Uh, ammunition should be fairly easy to find for it. But that's going to be good if you have to do anything at distances or you need to show um, a bit of extra force over holding a hatchet in your hand. And something we talk about when it comes to like ammunition, especially if you're looking at like a complete shutdown or a collapse of civil society, is is in that ammunition um, accessibility to go with something that is that the military would also use. I mean, assuming that the military, there's always going to be some element of the military there. Something in a 5.56 millimeter or 7.62 or 9 millimeter, something that you can hopefully assume that they're going to continue at least production to be able to arm the military. Makes sense. Is that something you guys talk about as well? Oh, we haven't done a lot of discussions about it. I've talked outside of zombies about it, but I totally agree. Um, and even if it's not something that's in production, I mean, those are things that you're going to find in mass quantity everywhere. Um, there's going to be survivors that, or there's going to be people that don't survive that collected, you know, firearms, collected ammunition for those firearms. And it's likely that you're going to find some of the more common things out there like that. Yeah. You're listening to our interview with Jake Sepulveda of Zombies.com about practical survival lessons you can use from the field of zombie defense. We'll be back in just a minute with more real-world tactics, including how to avoid contact with beggars, looters, and the infected in a collapse, as well as useful tactics from the hit television series The Walking Dead. But first, check out this special message. In any disaster, crisis, or attack, your life and the life of those you love could solely rest on the survival gear you've acquired. Do you have the proper gear to protect you from the threats you'll face? Whether it's preparing your home against the destruction and mayhem of a city in chaos, or you're bugging out to a safer location when a natural disaster forces you from your home, the supplies you have right now could ensure your survival or seal your fate. Don't take the risk. Claim your free copy of our exclusive guide, Survival Gear Secrets, at survivalgearsecrets.com and discover the seven-phase survival gear plan every family must prepare for or face the consequences. Five no-bullshit warning signs that a collapse is headed your way, so you're already in action long before your neighbors even know what hit them. And how to know exactly when it's safer to stay at home and shelter in place. Or get in the family bug-out mobile and get the hell out of Dodge. Your fellow citizens may be fine with sleeping in a crowded stadium waiting for FEMA to hand them a granola bar, juice box, and a blankie. But you know that no one can protect your family better than you can. If you're properly prepared with the right supplies and equipment to ensure your survival. Don't wait until it's too late. Find out what's missing from your survival gear plan by grabbing your free copy of Survival Gear Secrets now at www.survivalgearsecrets.com. And now, back to our show. 
Okay, we're back with Jake Sepulveda of Zombies.com to discuss real-life survival strategies you can learn from the world of preparing for the zombie apocalypse. So let's jump right back into our interview. Jake, one of the keys to surviving against zombies is to avoid detection in the first place. This is just as applicable for survivors of any sort of collapse scenario where you may not want others to know where you are due to the threat of attack or captivity. From your training and development in the area of zombie defense, what are your three best tips for making yourself a less obvious target to roaming zombies that could also apply to those who are trying to hide from looters, the authorities, or anyone else that you don't want to know where you are? One of the main things um, that we talk about uh, and that I talked about outside of Zombies 2 is keeping a low profile in the sense of if you've got a bunch of fancy gear on you, you've got some like really, really nice gun, you've got a really great headlamp, huge backpack full of stuff, you're going to be a target. So making yourself look like you're not as well off as you are is a really great way to keep people off the back. Um, so even if they do see you, they're less likely to bother you because you don't appear to have anything that they would need. Um, other things to do to stay sort of off the grid in a sense is to avoid urban areas whenever you can. And that's pretty obvious, um, except for you have to avoid suburban areas and even um, sort of country areas as well that are closer in. You really got to go out there and away from as much population as you can because that's where people are going to be heading anyway. So if you get there first, you're going to have a better chance of fortifying and staying low-key. You know, we talk a lot about, like, survival retreats and, and selecting the best place that would, would keep you out of, um, kind of keep you out of the, the spotlight. And we do talk about, like, you know, how, wanting to stay away from authorities and FEMA camps and things like that. Do you, do you also recommend, um, when it comes to maybe government relief or FEMA comes in with camps and things like that, are those good places to congregate around or are those things to stay away from? I would say to stay away from them, um, especially in the case of an actual zombie outbreak of any kind. And and the reason, again, is population and people. And people are the real problem with major disasters most of the time. That's where you're finding uh, a lot of the deaths and a lot of the, um, I'm trying to think of a, of a crime. It, it, those are coming from people and not necessarily the undead that are after you. You can handle them. You can outrun them or outwalk them and hide. Um, but people are too clever for that. And so... Avoiding the FEMA camps, definitely. Any sort of government institutions uh, you want to avoid, school buildings, um, any, any police stations, fire stations, hospitals, anywhere that there's the potential uh, resources for a bunch of people to go to stay, even if it's just shelter, you want to stay away from that. I, I personally would choose sort of a broken-down place that no one else would, in their right mind would think of staying because it just doesn't look like it would be worth it. Great point. Great point. Now, Jake, one of the potential causes stated for a zombie apocalypse scenario that you talked about is that there's some sort of toxic exposure or mass viral infection that causes people to prey on their fellow citizens. The fact is there's a lot of crossover with this topic for the general survivalist community because there's a very real threat of pandemic viruses out there or toxic leaks from disasters, things like that. So what advice do you have for avoiding infection, zombie or otherwise, and staying healthy when medical services aren't as available as they once were? Um, avoiding infection can be, depending on, on what like a virus would be that's spreading, it could be as simple as making sure you wash your hands. Um, and decamp- decontaminating any tools or weapons possibly used against someone that was infected. Um, but it could also be as complicated as 
keeping um, all of your mucous membranes covered when you're out in the world. That means full coverage of your eyes, full coverage of your nose and your mouth so you're not inhaling anything or having any viruses land on your eyeballs and infecting you. Um, so hazmat suits are a potential um, must for some people. I think knowing how to um, properly put in place a quarantine within your own home so you're protecting yourself or so you're protecting someone within your home even further into a room for themselves to see if they um, have become infected. Um, but avoidance is going to be the main thing. Um, once you've got any kind of a virus or whatever, it's, it's going to be a pretty rocky road if it's something serious and there isn't any medical service available. And there likely won't be for much of the world if there is a large-scale disaster um, or uh, outbreak of some kind. Um, you know, decontamination with things like bleach is the only material um, that can decontaminate both. I believe I believe it's everything from uh, natural, uh, biological, and uh, man-made um, chemicals and things like that. It'll kill just about everything and clean it off you. So bleach is a really great thing to have on hand and to practice and know how to use that properly. So we have decontamination. Well, first is avoidance. So obviously stay away from, you know, the pandemic uh um, treatment zones that are put up by Red Cross or whatever. Don't go where there is infection, things like hospitals, unless you, you need to get some supplies or something like that. Uh, decontamination of things that you talked about. Um, personal protection you talked about. So you talk about like covering the mucous membrane. So you're talking about like, um, like a surgical mask, like an N100 type of a mask that you could put on that would cover your nose and mouth. And the N100 would work, but that's only going to cover your nose and mouth. Like you're saying, you have to make sure. Um, that you're covering your eyes as well because if you get moisture droplets that have viral um, contamination in them, even if it gets in your eye, that can actually cause an infection as well. So full, fat, full face, um, you know, gas masks or things like that are really helpful. Um, and there's no. actually a DIY for a homemade gas mask that we have on the website. Okay. We also talk about um, the use of, like, swimmer goggles. Um, yeah. That you can slip on, too. So that might even go well with the uh, mask. And then you have... Um, protection within your home. So I know this came up during times when, um, boy, this was back in like 2011, two th- or I'm sorry, 2001, 2002 or whatever, when there was a threat of um, like, uh, what is it? Not not ricin, but um, the toxins that the toxins were being, <laughs> being put out there. But people were, uh, people were finding ways to set up like a safe room in their house from hazardous chemicals, hazardous materials. So, uh, just what's like a, a quick tip to try and like seal off as best you can within a within a home that you can create some sort of a um, either a decon- decontamination room or seal it off from exposure. Um, well, bathrooms are really great for decontamination rooms if you have a way to get someone in there and not spread the decontamination on the way there. And that's just because they have a natural drain. You know, most bathrooms have bathtubs, um, which means you've got a place to scrub down. Um, otherwise, any kind of a mud room or something that's sort of an, an immediate entry into your home that you could um, sort of block off with plastic sheeting, such as sort of a two-stage process. You enter the door, plastic sheeting closes behind you, you've got sheeting in front of you, you scrub off, you enter into the next room, you've got plastic sheeting closes behind you, and then you can leave into the home again. So sort of these, these, these step processes. Um, within a home, if you're looking to um, set up a safe room, you have to seal off Anything that can let in outside air, basically. So um, if you're in a bedroom or something, you're going to have to seal off all of the parts of your windows, not just 
the um, like over top of them, but all of the corners and everything, making sure that they're fully insulated. Any air vents that you've got coming into the room, the doorway, um, if you've got an attic crawl space going up somewhere, you have to seal everything off. Um, the hard part is that you also have to make sure that whoever is in that quarantine area has everything that they need. They've got a place to use the restroom. They've got food and water supplies. They have medical supplies if necessary. They have a place to sleep. They have a way to stay warm and a way to stay cool. So there's a lot to it um, to do it properly and make sure you've got everything covered. Yeah. Jake, I probably don't even have to ask if you're a fan of the hit show, The Walking Dead. But what would you say are the three biggest lessons learned from the show that would apply to people having to survive any sort of collapse of civilization? What can we extract that we can put to practical use in our own preparedness plans? Um, the first thing that comes to mind is Daryl's crossbow. Um, and a lot of people are madly in love with Daryl because he's, you know, just like these on the badass. Yeah, yeah, total badass. Um, but a crossbow is a really fantastic tool. Um, you can use it for both defense and hunting. You can use it for offense if you had to, but um, they're really utilitarian. They don't weigh a whole lot if you get a good one, and if you practice with it, it can be a really great tool. And they're silent. That's one of the best things about them is no one sees or hears you coming if you use it right. Um, so crossbows are great. I think that's a, that's a huge lesson that you can learn, um, the benefit of silent arms. Um, another one that they don't talk about but you kind of see happening is uh, water. The prison uh, is surrounded by water, and somehow those guys are getting it and treating it. And so treating water and having access to water is it's key. I mean, if you don't have access to water, you're dead even if there are no zombies. So having access to water... Um, is, is absolutely uh, the, uh, most important. One of the things that they don't talk about, but that I've learned about discussing um, the show with people is gasoline and how quickly gasoline actually deteriorates and becomes useless for most vehicles. And so having multiple methods of transportation, whether it's a bicycle or a car and uh, a motorcycle, whatever you've got, and then you've got a method of, of uh, storing the gasoline so it doesn't go bad, um, that's also going to be key to getting travel around and making sure you can get out on your Saturday run. Jake, this is uh, some really great information. I mean, I love what I love most about your site is that is is that bridge that you've created between the fantasy and the practical, and really riding that line. So it makes it it makes survival really interesting for people, and, and it helps increase awareness too. I mean, for those of us that are really into survival and walk walk the talk, um, it helps increase awareness for other people out there that, you know, there, there is a need now to prepare. So I, I really love the stuff that you have. So for everybody listening, this isn't the time to sit back and wait for your neighbors to show up at your doorstep with gnashing choppers looking to suck your brains out with a straw. Go and check out all the really great survival tips that Jake and his crew have from the Zombie Special Ops Unit at their website at www.zombies.com. And again, that's Z-O-M-B-E-A. SE.com. Until our next broadcast, train hard, stay safe, prepare now. This has been Modern Combat and Survival. Survival. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us out by rating our podcast on iTunes and leaving a comment. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Modern Combat and Survival. And don't forget to claim your free subscription to Modern Combat and Survival magazine at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com. Lock and load. 
and we'll see you next time. This has been Modern Combat and Survival. 